Well, hello again. <laughs> As always, thanks for tuning in, folks. PCC Sustain Me is jazzed to have joined forces with The Bridge, Portland Community College's student newspaper. This means there will be a weekly column online for your eyeballs to enjoy with the weekly episodes. Isn't that nice? And we are super duper stoked to be working in partnership with Gypsum, the Greater Portland Sustainability Education Network as well. You can connect and access the program via gpsen.org too. Now the podcast has multiple cozy places to call home. (laughs) Okay, well, back to the program we go. From Portland Community College, this is PCC Sustain Me. I'm Joe Colhane, and today I'll be talking with Kieran Uman about Our Children's Trust, Youth VGov, and the Climate Trial of the Century. Boom, boom, darkness falls, headlights in the I'm not gonna lie. It was a treat to talk with Kieran Uman last week at the Washington, Oregon Higher Education Sustainability Conference affectionately called Wohesk. We chatted just after a plenary panel that Kieran was a part of with a few other folks from Our Children's Trust, who are just kicking ass, by the way, and staying strong through this long process of, you know, actually getting this trial into the courts. Their panel discussion was called Juliana versus United States, using constitutional rights to force climate recovery. The talk was awesome, and rightfully so, prompted a standing ovation from the more than 700 uh, people at the conference in attendance in the ballroom that day. And what is pretty rad about this episode is that it is the 21st episode of the podcast, and Kieran is one of the 21 plaintiffs in the Juliana versus United States climate trial. (laughs) I just dig it when things work out like that. Well, the the conversation I had with Kieran was truly great, and I just really look forward to jumping into it. But before I do so, I would like to take this moment to acknowledge that the program is being recorded on the traditional village sites of the Multnomah, Kathlamit, Clackamas, Bands of the Chinook, Tualatin Kalapuya, Molala, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. Multnomah is a band of Chinooks that lived in this area. We thank the descendants of these tribes for being the original stewards and protectors of these lands since time immemorial. We also acknowledge that Portland, Oregon has the ninth largest urban Native American population in the U.S., with over 380 federally recognized tribes represented in the urban Portland metropolitan area. We also acknowledge the systemic policies of genocide, relocation, and assimilation that still impact many Indigenous and Native American families today. And we are honored by the collective work of many Native nations, leaders, and families who are demonstrating resilience, resistance, revitalization, healing, and creativity. We are honored to be guests upon these lands. Thank you, and thanks also to our colleagues at the Portland State University Indigenous Nation Studies Program for crafting this acknowledgement. 
And I, I do want to point out that while this part of the recording is happening in Portland, the conversation itself was at the University of Washington in Seattle. And the University of Washington acknowledges the Coast Salish people of this land uh, and the land which touches the shared waters of all tribes and bands within the Suquamish, Tulalip, and Muckleshoot nations is to be respected and honored because it is unceded lands. And while I'm not going to get into it right now, (laughs) the University of Washington itself was a granted university for only a short period of time uh, after which they were supposed to uh, give the land back. But we'll leave that for another conversation. <laughs> Let's jump into the conversation I have with Kieran, shall we? Thanks for sitting down with me. That awesome plenary panel had a standing ovation just a minute ago, which was a trip. Um, you said some really, really cool stuff. And just before I hit record, we were talking about this injunction, preliminary, preliminary injunction. Um, but maybe before that, uh, like, how's it going? Um, what what uh what are you up to right now other than this you said you're living here right now do you mind just like sharing a little background with uh, the folks listening yeah so my name's kieran uman i'm uh, currently a student i study sociology at seattle university i'll be done with that i graduate this spring um i work as a gardener um i play in a couple bands i also run a diy music venue um so a lot of music that's that's how i kind of get through the day (laughs) uh what are you studying sociology um with kind of a particular focus in social movements and social movement theory and then you've been a part of the uh our children's trust since 2012 earlier than that i I signed on as a plaintiff when we filed um the federal case that's now in the courts and that was 2015 so i was a senior in high school just about to graduate high school so it's been you know, this spring it'll be four years. Yeah, um, and and then I got to listen just a minute ago, but I thought it was really cool. Maybe if you were willing to touch back on the um, travels you've done and the other youth movements and that little bit about um, just climate denialism and and the, the way that you were understanding it, I, I really appreciate that. You mind just touching back on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so this was when I signed on as a plaintiff, I knew we were, you know, trying something kind of crazy. Um, we were trying to, you know, use the courts to, you know, attempt a solution at the climate problem. I did not know that how seriously people were going to take this. Um, I did not know even how serious it, it frankly was. Um, and so my first, the first thing that really happened was after, you know, we started you know, going to different marches and stuff just to talk about the case and stuff like around the States. I was like, okay, this is like kind of a bigger thing. Like now I'm taking these kind of like business activist trips. Um, And then we got asked by Greenpeace to go all the way to Norway. Um, And not only that, but there's a case in Norway that was inspired by our case and that's why they wanted us to come. So I was like, oh, like now we're like part of 
you know, now this case is like falling into kind of history already. Um, and so Kelsey, Juliana, one of the other plaintiffs and I, you know, went out to Norway um, and met with like a bunch of youth who were, you know, suing their government um, and also met some Swiss elder women who are suing the Swiss government as a group of elder women because there was a heat wave that was a, that was you know, um, caused by climate change, um, or like you know they they traced it to climate change and it was so bad in Switzerland a couple years ago that like a number of like particularly Swiss elder women were disproportionately affected by it um, and many died and so they were saying that like climate change is like physically affecting them right now and so and. Like, and then I started to realize, like, oh, wow, there's, like, all these cases kind of coming up. And so then later that same year, this was two years ago, I think. Yeah, two years ago. Um, I went to COP23 in Bonn, Germany. And so that's the um, United Nations, UNFCCC. I don't remember what that stands for. But the, the UN, you know, environmental thing. Um, and the Conference of the Parties, 23. Um this is the 23rd one, and we went to talk about the case, and, like, um, I went with one of our attorneys at OCT and our field organizer, and it was kind of a trip because I was on all these panels talking to all these people who are part of different cases, all these attorneys and, you know, plaintiffs who are part of cases all over the world um, that are, the larger idea is holding those responsible for climate change accountable. So, like, some of the cases target fossil fuel industries, some target governments. Um, our particular kind of analysis is to target the government, seeing it as the government's responsibility to uphold the law. That was right while uh, the We Are Still In movement, right? Like, U.S. is basically, like... <laughs> as a as the higher levels of administration so you were there a very few people in the united states who were actually that was really that was the interesting part of the cop actually so we went um we went as part of the u.s people's delegation which is a group of different grassroots gr of organizations from the u.s who all went and like formed a de delegation kind of coordinated by the 350 national um, group, but there was a lot of different, you know, environmental organizations who were all together on that. And so we, we went there and we ended up being the largest representative of the United States because the Trump administration didn't actually send a delegation. So we weren't allowed into the official, you know, negotiations because we're not a political entity. But like at the COP, we were the representative of the United States. And so at first I was like kind of like not sure how to feel about this because I'm like, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed that like our country is like having some serious problems like like backing out of the Paris cord and stuff but then I was like actually like maybe this is perfect representation of our country like our government it's not you know they're doing bad stuff but it's not us you know it's like it's like they're they're not representing us it's like the the march I went to a march in San Francisco a couple months ago it was like the rise climate action march or whatever apparently the largest march like on the west coast in like a long time potentially ever and it was about climate change so like people care like people in the united states care so much that we sent our own delegation of people who aren't even like who aren't even political entities so like at the cop like other you know like other countries they sent their politicians but the u.s like we actually like fought for actual like regular people to go to the cop 
And we ended up, you know, we were representing the U.S. And so we did all our own. We organized all these events, you know, ourselves. Um, and really, it was like, yeah, the grassroots movement is like what's happening right now. And like we're the U.S. is really leading in that. That is encouraging. <laughs> I love that. I love that the local, you know, local organizing and nonprofits who are engaged are like just taking the, the driver's seat and not letting our administration completely unravel it all which is what this case and i'd love for you to just touch on this injunction because i admittedly haven't done enough uh recent homework to understand what you were talking about on stage so do you mind because i was like oh this is actually like because like, all these delay 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 pause bs bs and then now we're at this new critical emergency like stage where you came up with a whole new strategy to like get it going right is what i kind of gathered from the talk today um do you mind just sharing a little bit more of that injunction stuff totally so I'm not a lawyer, um, but the way, but I, you know, not being a lawyer, I think gives me the tool or the lack of tools to like figure out how to explain these things to regular people. So, <laughs> so I'll give it my best shot. Um, essentially what happened is they granted the, the ninth circuit granted the defendants, the government, um, a interlocutory appeal, um, which they we were kind of hoping they wouldn't grant because um, that's another delay. It's, essentially, it's a, they're appealing, so it, they're like, okay, we have sta- you have standing to go to trial, whoever, but we want to have one more hearing to talk about a few more things, and so then we have to plan that hearing, then we have to have that hearing. This in the court, you know, this is not like a meeting with coffee with your friend, you know. If, if you if you're trying to do a, a small, you know, hearing, even just like a, you know, just a little hearing in the court, it's gonna it means months. Um, and so because of that, one, or in that decision, one of the um, judges on the panel of the Ninth Circuit that made the decision, they said they actually dissented from the decision. They didn't agree. Um, there were three, and so two of them agreed, and so it got granted, I, suppose, I guess. Um, but one of them, her response was, granting delays is benefiting the defendants because the whole point of this case is that what they're doing right now is hurting us. And so that kind of provided the basis for us to say, yeah, like there are harms happening right now. And so I understand that like we need to perhaps spend some more time to discuss, have another hearing to discuss before we go to trial, whatever, you know, you're, but you're helping the defendants right now. So that means that we, you know, we have the possibility to like ask, ask for something as well because you're giving something to the government so we can ask for something. So we, um, submitted a preliminary injunction which is basically before trial before we've heard the before anyone's heard the case we're just saying like these damages are so immediate like things need to happen right now that you have to put these this sort of thing in place um and then once we start trial it'll disappear and then we'll do a full trial and then we'll go through the full legal system but it's like preliminary like before trial starts things are so immediate that something has to happen right now and so what we're actually asking for this is where it gets interesting and exciting <laughs> is we're saying they have to stop the creation of all new um coal the, stop the production of coal energy entirely um stop all new fossil fuel energy pro- projects um a few other kind of things but mainly yeah mainly like cease the expansion of the fossil fuel industry and and coal right now so it's a big thing this is what like the grassroots organizers are doing all over the country right now blockading pipelines and stuff 
if our preliminary injunction goes through, all of that will be canceled and won't go through until we go to trial and our trial, if we win at trial, obviously that's going to be another many years, but like our ultimate goal is to do the same thing. This is just like kind of like the most immediate concerns based on, you know, the scientists that were and climatologists and economists were consulting. This is based on what they say. Okay. Like if we're, if like, we're not, we got to do something right now and this is what we got to do right now. And then we, we technically can sort the rest out a little bit later, not that much later, but um, so this is big. Like if this preliminary injunction goes through, like all of the new fossil fuel projects that are going on across the country will be stopped immediately. That's <laughs> uh, super badass. <laughs> what, uh, how soon is that? You know? Oh man. The, the timeline. So early June is when we have this hearing and that's in, in Portland, in Portland. Yeah. June 3rd in Portland. Ooh. I'm pretty sure it's the third. It's the first week of June. And I think that's when we discuss the preliminary injunction. That's so exciting. It'll be exciting. That's yeah. real. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll see you there, man. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, right on. Well, okay. This is great. I mean, I've already gotten more information that I look forward to sharing, but I, I do, I was hoping maybe, I don't know if you want to share that same analogy you gave with the black bears, which was hilarious, but, um, I, th I think for context, some people who don't aren't familiar with how this is all working or why it's important to go through this particular system in the courts, as well as all the other grassroots organizing, protesting, etc. But why this one is so cool as opposed to going through the fossil fuel and corporation avenue. Do you mind just like touching on that again? I love I love that. Totally. Yeah. So um, you're referencing a question that I've gotten before is like why, especially in the global context, because there's a lot of cases that are tar targeting fossil fuel industries and having success, and I am fully in support of those efforts as well. Um, but then people ask, like, isn't the fossil fuel corporations, like, aren't they the true enemy? Like, aren't they the ones that are really creating or, like, you know, investing in the system that's hurting us? And yes, they are. But the analogy I like to use as to why we're doing what we're doing, why we're going after the government, is the black bears. It, you know, Himalayan black bears are very invasive um, to this region. I grew up fighting blackberries off from our garden, you know, every summer it was like an activity. Um, but I never blame the blackberries because of the system they're in. They're in a place, you know, they're invasive. They're not in a environment where they're supposed to be. Um, and like the whole kind of system is like fucked up or it, the whole system is like, you know, um, messed up. It's okay. And, okay, no, I, I swear, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, so the system, you know, the whole system's kind of fucked up, and so in, in the context of this, it's like, we're in, like, in this kind of free trade, global capitalist market, the fossil fuel companies, our corporations, are encouraged to keep investing in this, like, it benefits them, it's their, it's what they're naturally supposed to, you know, that's how they're designed to work, is like, they're for-profit companies that profit off of, you know, exploiting resources, and that's hurting the rest of us. Um, but as long as we're in this kind of system, like as long as the blackberries are in a habitat that they're not natural to or whatever, um, like blaming them for it is not going to do anything. What we have to talk about is like how are we going to solve it? And so in the case of the blackberries, it's like we can talk about how terrible the blackberries are all we want, but it's like it's not really the blackberries' fault. They're just doing what they're naturally designed to do. Um, but what can we do? And what we can do is hold the blackberries accountable. We can trim them back. We can hold them at bay. And that's the government's role um, if we're going to uphold, you know, the Constitution and uphold our rights to a stable climate, which a stable climate is necessary for survival and 
therefore all of our other rights that are granted in the Constitution. So it's the government's responsibility to hold corporations at bay within the system. Ideally, we would have, like, my goal would be to have a system that's not based on, you know, that doesn't doesn't create this this dynamic. Um, so I'm, I'm certainly against the fossil fuel corporations. I'm against, you know, the economic system as it is. Um, but what are we going to do right now? We got to balance balance their power. That is, I love that analogy. <laughs> I love it. It's so it's so good, and I I, I like that your uh, the angle that this whole case and a lot of the our children's trust is doing is just yeah taking what we can do within our colonial capitalistic patriarchal society where it's all like many things we need to dismantle, but right now this is one we can acutely address and like take on. And that's that's fantastic. What do we got to do right now to survive? And that's kind of like the preliminary injunction is like a like a small scale example of like basically what our case is as a whole. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Okay, this is all great. Well, okay, so you're in a couple of bands. You're going to school. You're like, have you been traveling too? Like, oh, I mean, you went to San Fran and you're just all over the oh, place. Man. I travel so much for case stuff. Went to New York for a photo shoot with Vogue. April 2019, Vogue magazine is doing a piece on our case, which is hilarious because I thought they were just interested in clothes, but apparently they now are trying to be hip with the social justice kids or something like that. You know, whoever's whoever's promoting us, whoever's supporting the cause, like I'm in. So we spent a week, like all the plaintiffs flew out to New York for a week and just hung out in New York, like did this Vogue photo shoot thing. Is there's a there's a lot of you know, I kind of knew that being a part of this case would involve some public speaking. What I don't think I really took home when I signed on is that this meant that my, like, my role in this case and therefore in the movement was going to become kind of a face, of, like one of the faces of climate change. So that's the purpose. Like many of the plaintiffs, um, you know, some were young environmental organizers like myself. Some of them were just simply facing some serious catastrophic effects of climate change right now like being harmed right now and so that's why you know that's why they're plaintiffs and that's what we are is like a face and so that means that means a lot of like a lot of pressure and a lot of you know a lot of rad opportunities as well like we have we have a voice and so it's like it's about it's about using the voice and you're doing that you're doing that right now so with that i think we've gone over a ton of cool cool stuff and uh just like uh, in the conference, uh, like a thing that you can impart on other youth, social justice folks who are like kicking it and going about it. Do you have uh, a, like kind of a last word of advice or recommendation for those who are trying to get more involved, especially with this case? Um, yeah, any, any, anything like that. Yeah. Um, so as a plaintiff, what I would say is um, you, young people can sign on to an amicus brief. So they like basically saying that they support and agree with our argument. So that's joinjuliana.org. Um, joinjuliana.org. If you go there, um, if you want to learn more about the case in general, youthvgov.org is like the website for our case. Ourchildrenstrust.org is a website for our legal team um, that has more information about the kind of the larger movement they're doing. Um, so learning about that, spreading the word, talking to people, coming to when we have hearings, we organize rallies as well. So coming to the rallies, you know, like kind of being part of a, a community is like a big part of our case. You know, most times when you have a hearing in a court, everyone's in the court. When we have hearings, we have a party outside. <laughs> so keep an ear out for that because um, it's an important part of what we're doing. Like we're we're a part of a movement. And so as 
So that's what I would say as a plaintiff, as as being a part of the environmental movement. Um, I would say, you know, like start showing up to the protests. Like we're we're asking for all of all of the new fossil fuel projects to cease, but like technically we're asking a branch of the government to do that, and it's the government has been pushing these projects through. So like we're hoping that the court will check the ba- system of balances or that system of checks and balances. So that's why we're going to the courts. But it's like if if that doesn't work or if they delay it even more, like we're gonna have to shut shut them down. We're gonna have to blockade. Um, like that's what you know. Standing Rock, you know, the the Bayou Bridge pipeline in Louisiana, like um, the Udastoten camp in so-called British Columbia. Like we've got, there's a lot of like kind of frontline fights that are happening right now that like as being part of a movement, it's like I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. We're doing the best we can like with this case, but like we're going to, it's kind of all hands on deck at this point. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> all hands on deck. Thank you, Kieran. This is awesome, man. This is super fantastic. Well, uh, you know, thanks for sitting down. I'm glad you had this little bit of time, and um, this will be out soon, and, you know, I'll uh, share it widely, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you so much. Hey, you too. Have a good one. Love them all and let them all break your heart. Ah. This was awesome. (laughs) I will admit right now that sometimes I get to a point where I just lose hope and basically feel like humanity has no chance of actually making significant enough changes to transform from mostly being a part of the problem on this planet and instead being a part of the solution. It's talks like this, however, with Kieran that makes me feel like we just might make it out of this mess alive. I give tremendous thanks to Kieran Uman for talking with me and, of course, to Our Children's Trust for the work they're doing. And, uh, you know, Kieran sharing all of this inspirational stories and it just provided me with that needed hope. And hopefully that did just the same for you. <laughs> it was hardly touched on during our talk, but I did want to give thanks to all the folks who organized and made the Washington, Oregon Higher Education Sustainability Conference possible this year. WOHESC had its ups and downs, as all things do, but I ultimately got a great deal out of it. And big shouts out to all the social and environmental justice folks I met at the conference who inspired me tremendously as well. I also wanted to give thanks to my darling wife, Rachel Robinson, for the intro and outro music in this episode. And the episode itself was recorded, edited, and produced by me, Joe Colhane. And I also wanted to take a moment right here and now to mention and give thanks to Kieran and his bandmates in Geophagia for allowing me to share an unreleased track called Werewolf, which I sprinkled in this episode as well. I'm thinking it would be real nice to play it in its entirety here, so after this wraps up, stick around and you'll get to hear a rad song from a cleverly titled band whose musical styling has been called Anarchist Downbeat Raw Folk. So please, do enjoy this special track, unreleased officially, after I wrap this up here. And as always, thank you for tuning in, folks. It is so greatly appreciated. 
And as I have mentioned many times now, this is quite a gnarly mess we've gotten ourselves into, but I do believe it is of the utmost importance to find ways to forgive, be compassionate, patient, and of course, love them all. Every last one you meet. Still here, I hope. <laughs> now, folks, it's time to dig into Geophagia's sweet track, Werewolf. Sometimes I wish I was a werewolf so I could tear your throat out. With some little furry pups Wouldn't it be nice to be a werewolf Big teeth and claws and fur and not And a logical excuse to act young But you probably would slaughter me Find me hanging from a tree I wish I could be safe to be just who I want to be If I wasn't who you think I am Or even who you thought I was I know you'd string me up For all the screaming crumbs Otherwise, morning find them dead. But you probably would slaughter me, find me hanging from a tree. I wish I could be safe to be just who I want to be. If I wasn't who you think I am, or even who you thought I was, I know you'd string me up for all the screaming crowds. I'd see your smiling faces as I frantically look down. I'd see your thirsty faces lick the blood as it dripped down. I know 